0: No air e and salufa lava, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Otowasa Sui Suiki. coming up. Australia puts aside two billion dollars for the Pacific in its budget. Also
1: The only thing that I sort of had in me was the willingness to just stick forward.
0: Beauty, brains with a heart of gold. Meet the former Ms. Samo, who's determined to make New Zealand's health system more accessible. And
2: later on... In Rutuman culture, uh, Rutuman uh, women are very significant.
0: In light of Rotuman Language Week, we've caught up with Rako Pasifika to talk about their latest showcase. But first up, some brief updates. RNZ Pacific can reveal Immigration New Zealand was conducting out-of-hours compliance visits to private residents while the government was preparing for the historic dawn apology. In figures released to RNZ, Immigration New Zealand has confirmed there were three visits between July 1st, 2020 to June 30th, 2021. Koroi Hawkins reports.
3: Seven people were found in those visits, four Chinese, one Malaysian and two Fijians. The new figures were requested after questions were raised as to why Immigration New Zealand uses these tactics following a visit to the House of Tongan National on the 19th of April. An Immigration New Zealand spokesperson says a review into out-of-hours visits is being conducted and the practice has been suspended until further notice. The review is expected to be completed by the end of June.
0: Tuvalu's government has labelled the arrival of the first-ever government-owned aircraft as a life-saving development for the small island nation. Minister for Justice, Communications and Foreign Affairs Simon Corfe told Lydia Lewis people have died while on medevac voyages by boat from outer islands to the main island Funafuti. He says the twin otter t 2 tv 8 with 16 seats as a game-changer.
4: It is the first time we've ever owned uh, an airplane, so it is a significant occasion to to finally have it arrive in, in Tuvalu today.
5: How was it funded?
4: It was funded by the government. We actually procured it during the COVID uh, lockdown period, and uh, it's been sitting in, in Canada for some time. Uh, but finally, now that our borders are open, we managed to uh, get the plane.
5: And... Tell me about the next steps. Will it be up in the air straight away? What's happening
4: we, from now on? Well, we, we're building uh, just um, grass uh, airstrips in, in the in the out islands. We have uh, three that uh, just about finished, and uh, once that's completed, then the the airplane will will commence uh, operation. It's a lifeline for people living in the out islands, particularly when it comes to medical evacuations, and also will also help our efforts in monitoring and surveillance, our EEZ. So there's definitely a lot of use for, for the plane in, in Tuvalu.
5: Before the aeroplane, how long did it take for some medevacs? What were the the long times yeah. that people had to wait and were
6: they life-threatening?
4: Yeah, yeah the, the the furthest island from the capital is about uh, 26, 27 hours by boat. And uh, we've actually had cases in the past where people have, have um, sort of passed died during the, the, the trip to, to Funafuti.
5: So this
4: really is life-changing. It is life-changing. Yeah, we're very happy with the, that achievement.
5: And is it going to be used for commercial use?
4: Yes, it'll be used for uh, commercial purposes as well, for uh, travellers between islands. And uh, I think it will also open up opportunities in the tourism for people wanting to visit some of our more remote islands in, in Tuvalu.
5: What's going to be the price range for a flight? What's it going
4: to range? I am not too sure at this stage. Um,
5: affordable, though, for those who need course,
4: it? Of course, we, we want it to be affordable to the people. If government needs to subsidise then we will do that.
0: Australia has set aside almost $2 billion for the Pacific in its budgets this week, with $1.4 being set aside for security. Some of the areas the money is expected to be spent on – are Pacific wharfs and defence training in the region. The next biggest spend is about three hundred and seventy million dollars on expanding the country's seasonal workers scheme, the Pacific Australian Labor Mobility Scheme. Chief of Policy for the Australian Council for International Development, Jess McKenzie, speaks with Caleb Fotheringham about what the budget means for the
6: Pacific.
7: How really does this budget relate to the Pacific?
6: This- budget has been quite exciting. So it came out on the 9th of May. So it's still fresh only in the last 48 hours. But we're seeing quite a lot of announcements that relate to the Pacific. We already had in October last year, $1.4 billion added by our new government to the ODA budget, our aid program essentially. And a really big component of that is going to the Pacific. So already we have a historic high of Australian aid to the Pacific with $1.4 billion. But I'm hearing now that flows this financial year 23, 24, are actually going to be as high as $1.9 billion. So that's a really significant announcement. But on top of that, what we're hearing is that there's this non-ODA component, so funding for the budget that's for other government departments, it's not part of the aid program, and that's about $1.9 billion over the next five years. So that's an interesting announcement that we're all trying to unpack at the moment.
7: Okay, let's first talk about the money that's not aid, that $1.9 billion. What's happening to that? Where's that money going?
6: Right. We're 48 hours in, so it's not entirely clear where that money is going. But what I do know is that it's going to be delivered through 13 government agencies. So it's called the Enhancing Pacific Engagement Package, and it goes for five years, but it actually started last year, 2022, and it goes through until 2026-27. So we're already a year into it. There's four parts to it. There's the $1.4 billion over four years, which is going to be for peace and security, and I'm hearing that that's largely going through the Australian uh, Police Force and Defence. And then we have something called the Pacific Australia Labour Mobility Program. There's about 370 million to that. There's about 114 million for regional architecture, which will be helping things like the Pacific Island Forum. And then we have this 89.5 million that's strengthening people to people ties. But it's hard to understand what all this goes towards. There's not too much detail yet.
7: So I read somewhere that out of that 1.4 billion some of that's going to come from the defense budget. So it sounds like money that's been almost moved around. Is that correct or is this new money allocated to the Pacific?
6: You're completely right. Of the 1.4 billion, about 950 million of it is for defence to find from their existing activities. They have to reprioritise it. So essentially they're being told to find it from within their own budget, which is quite tough. They just had a defence strategic review come out and they have lots of new ideas. But this is something they're being told they have to prioritise and find the money for. So of that 1.4 billion for peace and security, only about 450 million is new.
7: To the aid money, so that was also one point nine billion for the Pacific, is that right?
6: Yeah, it's confusing right to one point nine. The non aid money is one point nine billion, which is going to all these security measures and Pacific labour mobility scheme, and then on top of that you've got this quite historic one point nine billion of aid funding or official development assistance that's flowing through our aid programme, and that's all being managed by the Office of the Pacific within our Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. And it's going to a whole range of activities there. And that's a real historic high for Australia.
7: So in terms of the aid money as well, has that changed much compared to last year?
6: Absolutely. I think it's gone from $1.4 billion up to $1.9 billion, which is a really significant jump. And they've just announced an office for Southeast Asia as well this year. So we're going to see some funds being put to that and some new programs. There was a program called Southeast Asia Government to Government that was announced two nights ago when our budget came out. And we're all interested in what that looks like. So there's a few different announcements cropping up.
7: And what about overall aid? Has that changed much?
6: Yeah, it has. So What we saw on the 9th of May was that there was new funding of about 191.8 million over four years. So it doesn't sound very much, but the total aid program now is at 4.768 billion. That's really sizable. Um, We weren't expecting anything radical because it's only been six months since this government announced 1.4 billion, really. So we had that understanding in mind. But what they did announce was something unusual. They put in something beyond the forward estimates, so something that's not in the next four years, but they've built in $8.6 billion in growth for 2026 onwards, and that's something you don't normally see. It's sort of hidden in the Treasury papers. So that was an interesting announcement. So they're basically putting our aid program on more secure footing for the future, which is nice. And then also they announced some development capability funding, about $36 million over four years, and that's meant to bolster the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade implementation ability, their evaluation ability, transparency, accountability, and design work. But all said, because of the state of the Australian economy and the recession worldwide, we're seeing that actually we're hitting a historic low for our aid program. So we've just hit 0.19 ODA GNI. So that's the international metric for generosity, basically. How much aid do you give compared to the size of your economy? So in October, we were at 0.2%. Uh, ODA, GNI, and we've just slipped to a historic low of 0.19. So in terms of generosity compared to other donors, where we've slipped to 27th out of 30 on the OECD DAC scale, the big donor uh, ladder, and New Zealand's doing better. You guys are at 0.23%. You're 24th out of 30, but that's a real shift for us. That's what makes it so important that they've built in this long-term growth. They're trying to turn that around. This has been a really tough budget. We know that Australia is in a really tough fiscal environment. And like I said, six months ago, they did just announce a $1.4 billion increase. So we're trying to be realistic and work with them on that.
0: A clinical nurse specialist and former Miss Pacific Islands and Miss Samoa is working alongside Oranga Tamariki to make the health system more accessible. Whanui Fafo Manuel McFarland's role is the first of its kind in South Auckland. She drops prescriptions to homes, registers babies with GPs and plunker and even makes sure babies have their birth certificates. Lydia
5: Lewis caught up with Fono in Otara. At 21 years old, Fono said yes,
1: a small word with a big impact. I'd received a phone call from Oranga Tamariki. They were looking for somebody who would be willing to take care of my niece and nephews at the time. Um, And I put my hand up straight away and said, yes.
5: (laughs) She was in her first year of nursing, still learning the ropes. For this former Miss Samoa, family comes
1: first, so she went off to a meeting with Oranga Tamariki. When I turned up, the children were at the Oranga Tamariki site with their bags um, waiting to be picked up. Describe
5: that moment, seeing children that you love
1: waiting with their bags. I don't think there's a word that could describe just how I guess sad and helpless you know the only thing that I sort of had in me was the willingness to just stick forward and take them home with me which I was able to that day and so it was a no-brainer to take them home with me at the time. The understanding was it would be for three weeks um, but of course three weeks turned into three months and then six months and it eventually became two years.
5: While it was tough, she says that time was invaluable in
1: hindsight. If I'd had somebody in this role five years ago while I had the five children, it would have made the world of a difference because somebody would have been there alongside me saying, hey, actually, that child's not purposely misbehaving. He just can't hear you or he can't actually see. Um, Or because I remember the advice I got five years ago was he needs glasses. Well, where am I going to get that from? You know, and it would have been. Super helpful to have a health professional beside me to say, Actually, you just take them to this place, you provide them with a the letter, it's all funded. A lot of that stuff we don't know, our families don't know. Um, so it's real frontline primary care health issues that we can make a difference in.
5: The latest report found children in care have a low GP registration rate. Just over half of children are registered with a doctor. That's
1: a statistic that Fono knows all too well. They weren't enrolled with any of the doctors. Um, a lot of them had appointments that they'd never attended to.
5: Now she's thrown her care net even wider, working with Oranga Tamariki to make sure tamariki have everything they need. It takes a village to make
1: meaningful change in a young person's life. They've missed about six to eight specialist appointments. That child hasn't been seen in over a year since starting new medications.
5: And Oranga Tamariki assessment social worker Scott Matapakia says having a nurse in his village makes a world of a difference.
4: It's instant. You know, so it's then and there. Having four asa- uh, alongside me and having consults and stuff can actually can actually readily prepare families for instant care. She can do those direct referrals and that's now not in a time frame or after a process happens or wait for your appointment.
5: On the spot, tangible support for families. That really works.
4: I've seen it within my caseloads. And what the best thing is, it's having that district health nurse come back to the social worker and actually say, this is not working. This is not working. How can we work together to make sure that it is working in the future? You know, that's the instant stuff. That's that's you don't have to wait for timeframes anymore. You don't have to wait for an email at the end of a long day.
5: Fono, the then 21-year-old trainee nurse who said yes five years ago, backed herself, worked through some really tough challenges, and is
1: now able to walk alongside others as they face challenges. It feels like a full circle moment in the sense that we're now here on the other side of things, and I'm in a position where I'm able to help families that are sort of going through the same experience
5: that I went through. Fono is the only nurse in this role in South Auckland. She works across multiple sites, but it's a start. The start of a new way of working.
0: Drawn from ancestral stories from the island of Rotuma, Saufolu or Three Kings, is the latest showcase from dance company Rakow. Featuring in this year's 2023 Pacific Dance Festival, the choreography features the journeys of three Rotuman women of royal blood that did not ascend to power, yet are incarnations of women kings and warrior women that were significant in ancient Rotuman stories. Koroi Hawkins spoke with Raku Artistic Director for Saofolu, Letila Mitchell, and began by asking her about the origins of the showcase, which came about as a result of the pandemic. You know, because we couldn't perform, we were like, okay, well, this, you know, let's make use of this time
2: and take this time to do some really deep cultural research. So we spent the two years um, travelling back to the island because, you know, of course, everything was locked down, we couldn't go internationally, so you know, it, it was almost a blessing in disguise because we would in normal times never have had that time to be able to invest into doing that. Um, so over the two years, a lot of our young people um, went back to the island, reconnected with elders and um, just built this huge archive of storytelling from elders who then just came out and wanted to tell us their stories and their memories. Um, so yeah, it was a really, really beautiful experience. And you know, I think it really grounded us and changed our direction you know totally um and changed our work and so for us it was almost like okay well this is a pivotal moment in in Rako's journey um so yeah so now our work is really grounded in cultural research um you know and so yeah it set us on a new journey which is which is a good thing that came out of it
3: nice nice now talk to us about Sao follow I've Obviously, daughters of my own, so this theme is is really resonates with me.
2: Yeah, so a lot of a lot of the stories um, that were actually written and documented by missionaries were always written uh, talking about the male heroes of the story, but majority of the stories never talked about the women. Um, and in ritualman culture, ritualman uh, women are very significant. Um, they they carry a lot of mana. They carry a lot of power. Um, And a lot of women are knowledge holders, they're, you know, um, they're healers. And so it was almost like a whole, you know, there's all these documented stories of, and women's voices and presence are very missing. And so, you know, we wanted to, and and this was a key thing that came out from a lot of our elder stories about the importance of women and how they weren't held in as much prominence as the Rutuman people held them. Um, so we thought it was really important uh, coming out of COVID to talk about those stories of women who were keepers of the land. They were healers, um, you know, coming into this time where we're all trying to heal and recover that, you know, that women's power grounding us, you know, in our land and our culture, you know, is is quite a strong message. And it's South follow because so follow is three. Um, and so it's three actual it's three completely separate stories uh, in different timelines um, of our history um, but all connected with these two birds um, called the armea um, and and they transform into these spirit. and these women often lead the way in in specific moments so in story one uh, they led the way for Raho who came from Samoa with his granddaughter they led the way to Rutuma uh, they led the way um in the second story that you that you'll see in the show um on, on where to bury the king and in the third story they led the way of um, you know of where to war so that they would win the war. Um so it carries the story of these two significant women but also these three other women of royal blood. Who never ascended to the throne, but we imagine what would a world have looked like if they did ascend to the throne. Um, and so in Rutuman culture, uh Sao is is the word for king, but there is no word for queen. Um, so the elders told us that you know, uh, imagined if if these women uh had become so, they you know, they would have become king so you know it's what it did for us when we were hearing those stories from our elders was that it really helped us to understand how significant a uh, uh, women's power was in rotuma um and so it was you know the your leadership was not gender based but it was more about you know the respect um that was accorded to you um by the people and so so these three stories, uh, they've been documented, but they're all from the, the male hero of the story. So we really wanted to show the women's side of the story and to, to bring to the forefront the women's music and the women's chants and the women's uh, voices. Um, so, yeah, so Follow is basically three kings and it's three, three separate stories.
3: Amazing. And where can people um, come and see this and when?
2: So the, the show is part of the Pacific Dance Festival um, and our nights are on June the 8th and the 9th at Q Theatre in Auckland, New Zealand. Awesome. Um, Thank you good. so much.
3: All the best.
0: Thank you. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs or you can download us on Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. From myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, for and to wha sui